You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Berto here. Berto, we're back with another episode. What do you got for us today? <clears throat> so, I actually got a story, right? It's like a, I guess it's almost like an, like an update to almost a lot of the things we've been talking about. It's crazy. It's a story that ties into a lot of different things. And uh, <clears throat> it's a story I got from, you know, obviously somebody who was, who was around the guys, you know, during the 90s, you know, which is that era back then. And so I got this story, you know, from him, but also, um, you know, this case is pretty, it was a pretty, uh, a well-known case on the indictment um, from 98. And so a lot of the case law can be found like on a computer. So basically a lot of this is public, it's public knowledge. It's, it's, it's weird to have a little bit of a inside look on some of the issues. I guess that's the best way I can explain it. Okay. Cool. So, I don't really have a lot of questions to begin with, so just jump right into the story. Yeah, yeah, I figured that. I figured that. <laughs> but you're going to have a lot of questions when we start going, right? Okay, so so here's the gist of it, right? It's, you know, this, this takes place during the Chicago era, Chicago era, right? And so the three main players in this, the guy's names um, are uh, Pedro Martinez, let me see, Acosta, Andrew Acosta, and um, and Eric Estrada, okay. Uh, Pedro Martinez was known as Pistol Pete, you know, like that was he was a pretty well known guy. And Acosta was also pretty well known, and uh, that was BK. And his, you know, that's another another guy that had family members in in the nation. Pe- uh, Pedro uh, Pistol Pete, he had family members in the nation. So, like, you got to remember, like, you know. It's an ongoing theme that we talk about, you know, just generations of, of families that end up being intertwined. And so anyways, um, <clears throat> so the story goes like this. Right. So first of all, I think I underrepresented and maybe just because I was I was too focused on, I guess, the queen aspect. But I think I underrepresented on just women being in the street in general. Right. Like women were in the street, even even when they didn't have titles or labels and Mm -hmm. so i kind of i underestimated that and i underrepresented it um and this story is a prime example and it kind of ties into the fact that we were talking about oh well with queens were their rivals and you know what were the rival uh a gang of women like and, and all that so basically these three guys they end up getting charged for uh a murder right and it, it would have been a double murder and it was, it was actually of a female. And so basically this female though, she was an MLD by all accounts. She was like a serious gangbanger, you know, and mm-hmm. she ganged, she gangbanged on King. She, she would show like the MLDs, you know, where King's houses were. And, and I guess she got a couple um, King's houses shot up one time. I guess they went to like this Cypress Hill concert. And these these are the brothers, right? Uh, Pete and BK and, and the other guy Eric Estrada, right? And so they go and they and they end up seeing, they see this this uh, this female. Her name was I think her name was something Morales, Angelique Morales, and she's like banging, she's like disrespecting the crown, right? And so mm-hmm. just imagine how heated these guys are, right? And these guys are like 
these guys are like through and through gangbangers. You know what I'm saying? Like these ain't no running the mill, just, you know, everyday kind of guys. Like, first of all, this was the leadership at that time. Pete was the Inca. BK was the Xinca. And uh, Eric was the was the enforcer. And so this is it right here. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to talk about guys that can have you gone in the snap of a finger. I mean, these were the guys, you know, mm-hmm. at that time. Anyways, she even goes up on stage and she starts getting the guys to dip the crown because they don't know what she's doing. You know, she's just like playing friendly with them and they're doing it just playing along. And so these guys are in the, imagine like the brothers are in the crowd, they're, they're, they're enraged. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, BK, BK couldn't take it no more. And he like rushed her, right. He rushed towards the stage and rushed her and, and basically, you know, was like threatening her, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna kill you. And so that was that. Right. So fast forward, not too, not too much, not, not too far from that incident. I'd say maybe a couple, couple weeks or, or something like that. Right. These three guys, they were at, uh, at, uh, I, I think Pistol Pete's, I think he said it's his birthday, his son's birthday party or something, right? And and, uh, and BK gets into an argument with his girlfriend and and they end up leaving together. Um, BK, Pistol, and Eric Estrada, right? And another guy, Emiliano, he wasn't a king though, Emiliano Vargas was his name, he wasn't a king. But anyways, okay, no, 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 I, I take it back. Eric Estrada was, the, was a Kasinka. BK was the enforcer. I apologize. That's so that's still the structure, but I just had the the, the three mixed up. But mm-hmm. anyways, so they're driving, right? And uh they drive past the gas station and wouldn't you know it, guess who they see? They see the MLD, the MLD lady, the lady D there, right? Mm-hmm. And so right away, you know, BK is he's like, yo, let me out. Like that's it. You know, from the from the way the I wasn't there, right? And and the way the story was told to me, it was similar. So, you know, even even what they have online is pretty close because even the guy who told me was, you know, he said Pistol Pete told him like, "Not nah, leave it alone. Like, don't worry about it." You know, kind of like this wasn't the time, kind of thing. And maybe it was because there was somebody else in the car. I don't know. But uh, BK didn't heed that warning. Man, he walked right up to the car, started shooting, shot her. Shot her a bunch of times, and she was with another girl who ended up getting shot. But I guess, like as soon as she she shot, she got shot. Like she she played dead, and and uh, and BK took off. It's a crazy story, right? And uh, it's it's a crazy story for a bunch of different reasons, right? So right off the gate, right, we kind of we bring to the forefront about how rare it was, you know, um, as far as like actual seeing actual rival mm-hmm. females like that but to be actively gangbanging so that was that's super you know when i first was told told about this like it was it was different it was different for me but then just all the elements surrounding it right and the people surrounding it and the fact that these this this murder was actually on the indictment right so this is a this is one of the murders on the 98 indictment was a female but guess what it wasn't the only female it's actually another female that was on the indictment that got killed this one was alleged to have set a king up to get killed. I think his name is Mendez, SPA. SPA killed her. Anyways, going back to this story, all right? Um, <clears throat> so there's another little twist to it. But first of all, do you got any questions 
Like, it can not so far. No. Okay. Okay. So, so here's another little twist, right? So, if you notice, I gave you Pistol Pete's nickname, right? When Pedro Martinez, I gave you Pistol Pete. I gave you Andrew Acosta. That's BK. Do you know who Eric Estrada is? No. Eric Estrada is Moochie. Okay, that's that the guy. About. Yeah. yeah, that's the guy who I said we used to be shaking up crowns with when we were young. We didn't know. This guy testified at this trial. Testified on this very case right here. About this very incident right here. And so this is the type of shit that I be talking about with guys, man. Like, these self-righteous dudes, man, that put themselves on a pedestal, you know, and uh, and I'm just talking about, you know, just not just the people that I associate with, but gang members in general, man. Like it's a, it's such a, a hypocritical oath, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a hundred percent. We used to be around this dude shaking up with him and he testified on these guys, these Kings, these brothers testified at their trial. But yet, you know, we got, we got guys that know of that. Champ knew of that. That's his cousin. Mm-hmm. Boy knew of that. As much as I praise those dudes for, you know, their leadership in some areas and their strength and, and, and their ability to to be members for, for you know, longstanding members. I mean, let's just call it, Let's just throw it on the table. You know, you sit them guys in the room and what, what, how, what answer could you possibly give to justify that? Mm-hmm. Why would you have somebody testified on the Latin Kings shaking up with other Kings? I don't understand that. So this, so this whole story, it just, it brings everything to light. It brings everything about the, the, the girl and you know what I'm saying? It brings it, the girls in, in the street and it also brings this, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a, it's a crazy element, bro. And wow. it does, a, it does a wonderful job of displaying, like we discussed before, how, some of these women's women can get involved in these gangs. And I mean, they're not any more innocent than, than anybody else, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, when you're yeah. driving guys around and pointing out houses, yeah, this is where this guy, and you know, when that, you know what I mean? You know that this, that's going to be a targeted house now. And, and uh, you know, I mean, people are going to shoot at the house. Like that's, I mean, you're, you're complicit. I mean, let's just, let's just call yeah. it what it is. Like you're not, you're not innocent anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, you cross that line and, and you, you, and, but I think a lot of women knew that though. I think that they knew that once they crossed that line, you know, what, uh, kind of what, what went along with it. Some would try to play like they didn't, but I feel like a lot of them knew. I mean, because you're around it, they were around it, bro. It's not like, it's not like they didn't, you know, they weren't seeing what was going on anyway. Yeah. I think they knew that once they, once they crossed that line, they were, they were all the way in. Yeah. The, 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 the other one, bro, the the SPA guy, right? SPA was a he was actually a a nasty boy that ended up becoming a king. His murder, like I said, it was because it, it wasn't a king that was killed. He was, a, I guess, he was a future, right? He was a recruit, and I guess uh, he believed that um, his girl set him up. Man, he he beat her to death. He didn't even shoot her. I guess they like it was him and I want to say, yeah, him and somebody else. But they 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 took her to like a deserted area, choked her to death and then beat her and put her in the river, bro. And yeah, that was kind of that was gruesome. 
you know, I wasn't, it wasn't, I don't even know if it was necessarily true that she had got the guy killed. You know, that was just what he assumed, I guess. And she wasn't, <clears throat> to the best of your knowledge, she was not even affiliated with any gang per se. She just must have helped a gang member to make this happen. Yeah, she, or... yeah, she if, if she did do it, then, then, you know, if she did do it, whether you're affiliated or not, doesn't matter. You know right, what I'm right. Sure <laughs> yeah. of, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the line you don't cross. But I mean, yeah, there's no there was no um there was nothing saying that she was, you know, affiliated or anything like that. It just said that um basically she was, you know, she knew the guy that got killed and that was how he tried to tie it together, I guess. You know, so And do you know so in the with the first girl you said that she was giving up houses and stuff that people were living in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was she kind of, how was she getting, was this just, I mean, her saying, well, I know he lives there. She lit just by knowing where somebody lives or was she somehow kind of clinging to the Latin Kings, hanging around oh, them and hiding the fact that she was with this other gang? No, no, no. They knew she was an MLD. Um, you know, what it comes down to is the, the, the advantage is that, you know, she was a woman. So I'm sure she kicked it. You know, she hung out, she probably hung out with a lot of girls and like girls, you know, they don't necessarily have regular, you know, regular, just regular girls. They don't have allegiances, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they're not, they're not, um, <clears throat> you know, obliged to not talk about, you know, where they were or who they were hanging with, you know what I'm saying? Because, because of somebody else's beef. So I'm sure girls always mention like, yeah, I was over here with these kings or over here. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm sure she wasn't stupid. So she probably picked up on it fast. Like, oh, you were over there or, you know what I mean? And so that's usually how it goes. You know, it's yeah. not like, it's hard to, it's hard to, I guess for, for us, we never did it. But I can imagine it would be hard to, if there was asked, like, you don't necessarily like send moles. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't send moles into other gangs. Like, you don't just jeopardize somebody's, life like that I, I you know what i'm saying like I, I couldn't imagine us ever doing anything like that but if you get information willingly you know like that's different you know what i'm saying like yeah you can bring up a conversation like what's up with these dudes or something like that you know what i mean but you're never going to be like hey go buy on them during their meetings or nothing like that like yeah know. and and i could see how that would work where she just happens to be friends with somebody that had hung out with the latin kings in the last week they that person mentions where they were or something and she uses that information to take it back to the gang. I mean, actually sounds like a pretty powerful <laughs> information source per, per se, because I think it is, it is. It a, is a girl's going to be much more comfortable to tell another girl that than per se, like you or somebody. Something yeah. Like that's, that. and that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why she had an advantage because you know, yeah. Like, you know, girls, they chit chat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kick it over here. And they don't, and they probably don't know, like maybe they knew she was a MLD or a lady D or whatever, but they probably didn't know to what extent, you know, like it's not that it's not that girls are stupid or anything like that. It's just that sometimes girls that are in the environments, they want to be oblivious to things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't want to, they don't even want to be involved or, or, or try to understand it. And, and, and behind that, the you're naive, you know, so you don't realize how deep it gets you know, and, and how serious it is and how, you know right. what I mean? Basically life or death it is for you to even be around somebody like me or anybody I associate with, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I think they I probably think that's the way probably just never even thought twice about what they were saying. And the only person in the room that had that idea of, oh, I can really use this information was her because she knew what kind of information they were giving her. It's interesting. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then obviously, you know, to, to circle back to the to the first case we were talking about, obviously those guys all got um, life sentences um, with the exception of Eric Estrada because he testified. He didn't get life. BK got life. Pistol Pete got life. Well, I was, I was curious how, because it, well, so it was BK that actually pulled the trigger, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, but Pistol Pete told him not to do it, not to do anything, right? But was this one of those things where, he went anyways, and because he went anyways, the other two went with them. Yeah, well, here's the here's where okay. So I didn't read the whole case law, you know, in the whole case file, but I could have read the whole thing. But basically, you know, it's 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 them giving their objections to the to the case in general. But they give you facts, you know, and um, like one of the big facts was that was them was basically BK saying, "Hey, listen, he told he didn't tell me to do it. He told me to leave it alone, you know, and that's a big thing because that exonerates him." Um, but Here's the thing. Eric Estrada's testimony says that Pistol Pete never said that. Oh. And so, you know what I mean? And not only that, what hurts Pistol Pete too is that Pistol Pete uh, waited there um, for for BK, you know? So and, he was uh, an accomplice, basically. So, yeah, just so, yeah, so now you're, yeah. Now you're, okay. yeah. Now you're, you're basically, yeah, you're, you're, you're complicit to the murder that just happened because you, and then you're a getaway driver, you know what I mean? On top of that. And so mm. um, all those things get some life sense. Right. And it's funny, man, because uh, they try to do them dirty. And I say they, I mean, I, because I don't really know, I don't know the name to put on it. Right. Like that's the, once you get, once you get to like certain parts of government, right. I guess you don't really know who's what and what, who controls anything right but mm -hmm. so i got it i got another little side a side story because it's right here on the computer and it's in front of me and it's it's funny but so pistol pete was actually already serving 157 months in prison when they when they indicted everybody right so he came he got he got basically another indictment you know he was already doing so 157 months 10 years is 120 so somewhere close to 12 years right so a little mm -hmm. over 12 years, right? But the, the, the case law, it's it's funny. It's funny how it's recounted, right? So basically, it says, it says that uh, in April 1998, Martinez was serving a 157-month sentence in federal prison in Indiana for a conviction on an unrelated offense. On April 27, 1998, he was brought to the Eastern District of Wisconsin to appear in a lineup. Now, let me tell you something. Never, I don't think, unless you are a suspect in that crime, will you ever be brought from a federal prison to be put in a lineup, bro. That's never going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. a federal prison, to move you from a federal prison, you know how much money that costs? Like, you know how many resources you got to have? You know what I'm saying? And then, individually, they're going to bring him, right? So, anyways, my point of saying that is that they basically wanted to have a conversation with Pete, right? They wanted to have a conversation with him and get him to cooperate, right? Which was the name of the game. So they brought him down. That's, this is what I'm guessing, right? But it makes sense to me because it says right here in, in front of me, right? The special agent in charge at that time, right? He, he talks to him 
he 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 uh he brings Pete and and talks to him and says, All right, well let me talk to him about the instant offense, right? That's the indictment that's going down and see if he'll cooperate. I guess he tried to convince him by using the whole Sammy the Bull analogy and you know how he got nineteen years or whatever, nineteen murders and only got five years, even though he only killed one person. They they never say that. Um <laughs> but um but anyways, so so then um so anyways, there ends up being like a, a, a moment in time where he's sitting in front of a prosecutor and the prosecutor starts asking him about a like basically one of the the murders that was going to be on the indictment. And he like half, I guess, half answers it with a guilty connotation, a guilty undertone. Right. And then the conversation kind of stops and he basically wants he ends up. Obviously, he doesn't cooperate and he ends up going to trial and he wants that little conversation he had with them to be suppressed. Mm-hmm. But they argue that, no, you 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 made a statement in front of basically officers of the court. And so it's on it's on record. And he's saying, no, I didn't have a lawyer. Player. And so this is the argument. But. It's just crazy because. Like Pete was such a stand up dude. Um, he was a uh, he was a. Uh, he was a leader, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, he took his time on the chin. And when it came to that moment, right, he had an opportunity right there, bro. He had an opportunity. Because, one, he wasn't the trigger man. So if he if he cooperates right there for the 98 indictment, I guarantee you he's he's not getting no more time. They're going to run his time concurrent with that 157 he was already doing. Mm-hmm. He probably would have did like 10. He would have been out by now. But he stood up. You know, he stood up for his dude. You know, he almost actually he almost actually uh got into some trouble behind that that sit down. You know, even though he didn't cooperate, you know, obviously eyebrows are raised. Why would you even be in the same room with all them people? You know, there's a conversation that people wanted to have with him. But I'll tell you this. This was a real, this is a stone cold fact. It just so happened that the stars aligned. Uh, when he came back and all this happened, you know, he was going back to the feds. He ended up in Cook, and not in Cook County, in, in uh, MCC Chicago with Lord Gino. Which I mean, we talked about before. He's the, you know, he's the founder of the Latin Kings. Him and the original BK, Baby Ray, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pistol Pete actually ended up having a conversation with him about a situation. Said, look, I didn't say nothing, man. And he was basically like, you're good. Anywhere you go, you're good. Don't worry about it. As long as there's no paperwork on you saying you don't worry about it. You know, he's still, obviously, he's in the feds right now. And, but, you know, it's just crazy how how that how things like that happen, man. And... Just how that life is, you know, like, just think about that, man. He, that, that one split second decision, man, if he would have said, ah, I'm done with this shit, man, <laughs> he'd be out right now. He'd be out right now. He didn't, and yeah. he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison because of it, probably. Yeah, and listen, and listen, there's something to be said, there's something to be said about, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not, I'm not, uh. I'm not by any means trying to say he's he's I understand, man, like there's there's honor in, in what he felt in his heart. And and even if it wasn't for the king aspect 
I don't know how he felt about BK as a person. It, it, that could be the ultimate decider. Maybe it didn't have nothing to do with the Kings. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I imagine if it's me and Toot, right? And all King stuff beside, you know, like a friend like that. Like, that's it. Like, okay, we're going down together then. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's it. And so I don't know what, what his, uh, his situation was. I can't say that probably a lot of what he was charged with, he didn't get caught doing. So, yeah, there's that element. You know, the guys that made the indictment, the foundation of the indictment, they talk about some of the witnesses here in the in the motion itself as well. My cousin being one of them, Moochie being another one. I understand, bro. I, I understand like to 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 feel that way about certain things. I understand that because I was there. But listen, man, like the writings on the wall. Right. And uh, it just ends up being unfortunate. But I think this is a this is another showing Eric, uh, for you too, uh, the more and more we kind of delve into the past, it's just how how ruthless these guys really were, man. You know, like these dudes were no slouches, man. And there was a lot of them. You yeah, know, unfortunately, funny. unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, the media coverage of what it is nowadays was nothing like that back then. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I've said this before, a lot of that shit is it's never even recorded. You know what I mean? People getting clipped, people getting shot in the arm, shot in the leg. That's there's no there's nothing on record that ever said that's I got shot. You know, like that's that's so far, and you know what I mean. Like nobody cares. Do you think that as you've delved into this past and gotten some of these backstories, do you now? Because at one point in time, you thought that back in like the Chicago days, it wasn't nearly as violent as it was in your era. Would you still agree with that? Or do you think now as you've started to hear more and more of these stories that you're like, well, maybe it was pretty much this, uh, the same type of look as it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever said it like that. And if I did, I apologize. But I never meant to say it like that. I never. I don't think I ever meant to say that it wasn't as violent. I, I said the type of violence was different. If, right. anything I said, if anything, I said it was more violent back then because it was just a violent atmosphere. Our violence was different because it was it was it was sporadic, but it was all gun violence. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like we, we didn't have a like we had we got into fights early on, right? When I was we got into scraps and you know, but but nothing like those guys. Like those guys were fighting all the time, every day. You know what I'm saying? Just you know, like the younger guys, like they're running like it, it was different, you know, like it was different when they were coming up to when we were coming up. We couldn't really get into like we would have, but I mean, do you trust that the other group doesn't have a gun, you know, the couple times that we did, we were about to get into it. Look, the time when Gucci's brother got shot, when we we're all up there in West Dallas, like we were going to fight them dudes. We were outnumbered, you know, five to one, every one of us, but we were going to fight them and they pulled out a gun on us and shot, you know what I'm saying? And so that's the same, like you can't really get, yeah. You, you, in, in our era it was like, damn, do you really take the chance and go fight? You know what I mean? Probably not. Like, yeah, we can. I mean, we did get into fights, like especially in house parties and shit like that. But, but back then though, man, Back then, them dudes were about, they were about all serious time too, man. You know, like, um, they were just a, dip, a different atmosphere of, of, of Kings, man. Like, we were, you know, we, we the evolution of, of what we became was was a lot different than what they were. You know, what's funny is it actually, it actually brings me to another point that I was asked about this a long time ago, and I never really covered it because I, I don't feel like it's a whole episode kind of thing, mm-hmm. but but just to just to touch on it. I was asked about like race in the gang, right? 
and how how like racism was racism ever ever a factor, right? Because ultimately we were Latin kings, um, but obviously I'm not 100% Latin, right? And mm. and there was Tommy Guns is 100% white, you know. Black Cat was 100% 100% black. Lawrence is 100% black. Marcus 100% booby, and you know go down the line. But you know the question I think is not is not far off, and this is why because different areas have different kinds of vibes. You know, that's just the way, that's just the way it it always was too, man. You know, like if I think back to my time, right? Like the walkers were, were, were always known for like, you know, this, and this is, this is just me being, you know, I'm not trying to be unpolitically correct, but they were just mostly Mexican brothers. Like they were just Mexican brothers. Like they lived in that neighborhood. There were a lot of them were family, that's really what they were. When when I was when I was becoming a king, that's what Wild Walker was. Mm-hmm. Um, one nine was a completely different, completely different atmosphere. It was biracial. It was it was younger. It was um, more active. You know, so it was a different style of brother. Two three was similar to to one nine in a sense, but they had they had a, a little bit more of a one level older than what we had. Like they didn't have a group of guys like my group of guys. When, when I was coming up two, two, three didn't, you know, like Tommy guns was older than me. Billy guns was older than me. Those guys were older than me. They didn't have fat boy, you know, Nick, all them dudes were older than me. So mm-hmm. uh, they didn't, but they didn't have a group like, you know, like us, like me and Tim and Tude and, you know, Mondy, you know, they didn't have that group. They just had their guys. They just had their dudes, Trey guys. And so, um, but they were still kind of like us. And then the Sawyers were kind of like a mixed bag, bro. Like you would get some cornballs, you would get some cool guys, like you you would get you would get a mixed bag with the Sawyers. But th- my point is saying that it's just, just it just depended where you were at. I'm not gonna say I would never say that the walkers were racist because them brothers would come around us and they, you know, they were cool with blackhead, they were cool with everybody. But could I ever seen at that time a black brother being Wild Walker? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably not. You know, if I'm calling a spade a spade, and so it, would, I don't know. it would be really interesting to know. Well, let's take Black Cat for instance. Like, what's his feeling of feelings about the Wild Walkers different than maybe your feelings? Because maybe he, when he was around Wild Walkers, he could just tell that they had a problem. Maybe not so much that they specifically had a problem, but that. The way you were treated and the way they were treated was slightly different. The way he was treated because of his race, you know. Nah, but you know what? Nah, see, I mean, that's not it. You gotta understand, Black Cat was about the crown. So if you had an issue with Black Cat, that was your problem. That wasn't a him problem. I'm saying when it came to Kings, like he wasn't that kind of guy, bro. He was just he was all about the nation, bro. Like he was just that kind of dude. He was super quiet, super humble, but funny when he wanted to be. Kicked it you know, just an all around good dude. And so if he ever felt the vibe that it wasn't really what it should be, he just will remove himself and then be like, nah, I I don't really like being around there. You know what I'm saying? But he would never make an issue of it. And I, and I, and I doubt that he would ever think it's the race thing as weird as that sounds. He, he, you know, because you got to remember, bro, it's not like, it's not like the, I'm not, I'm not saying the, the wild walkers weren't, weren't urban because you know, they were like, they're still, you know they were still from the street they're still street guys you know what i'm saying especially like kiki and juanito like these dudes were younger you know but 
just the, just the atmosphere was different. And I know it's, it's really hard to explain that, but um, it just, it is that the pulse of it is different. You know, the jokes are different. The, you know what I mean? The, the environment is completely different, bro. And, and uh, not in a bad way, just, just different. And mm-hmm. so um, I think it's Chicago. And this is, I can't, I can't speak for a fact, but Chicago has a lot more diversity, right? There's, there's like black sets, there's like sets of black kings, right? But with that being said, there's also areas where they don't get down with that. They do, mm-hmm. they just don't, bro. There's some neighborhoods that are like super, you know, and even before Sawyer was really Sawyer, there used to be 12th Street. And the 12th Street brothers were like that. Like 12th Street brothers were like super, you know, for lack of a better, uh, lack of a better analogy, but they were like choloed out, man. Like hair nets, dickies creased up, you know what I mean? Like black and gold. Cortez's, you know, type that they, they, they were kings, but they weren't urban. They weren't modern. You know, they weren't modernized like we were. You know, mm. we were we were listening to rap music. You know what I mean? Like we were in we were in the urban society. You know what I mean? I think there's some element element of it, bro. I think it's really, really, I think it's really, really under wraps, especially these days, because I feel like there's a lot of good black brothers that made it, but at the same time, though, you know, there's always going to be them people. You know, I yeah. think the 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 most glaring, the most glaring example that I gave you in our time was the fact that our regional Inca at one time was uh, com- was all white, mm-hmm. completely white dude, bueno. So, you know, if that's not if that's not breaking racial barriers, I don't know, I don't know what is. I mean, so so, uh, you know, I guess that's a long-winded answer of saying there's probably invisible racism, you know, and different elements of it, but it's not really prevalent especially the i think these days it's 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 completely non-existent but coming into my era i think it was fading i think it was really an element in the early 90s i think as a black person in the early 90s you really had to be that guy you really had to be around um in order for the brothers to accept you and there were guys that were around you know what i'm saying like booby was around um his brother vernon um compton so there there's there was there was black brothers that were around and they made it so you got to you got to give them you got to tip their hat, man, because I'm telling you, man, it, you know, I, I can't I can't uh, <clears throat> especially the more and more I talk to like, you know, my guy who was who was from that era, who was who was Chicago, the more and more I just I get that you just you can feel that environment, bro. You can feel what kind of atmosphere that used to be um, not not even just to be in a house with a bunch of brothers, because because that's one thing. But just to walk down the block, you know, what mm-hmm. I'm saying just to walk down the neighborhood. I think the dynamic of back in the Chicago era is really interesting because like you said, you guys couldn't really, you would get into fights, but you always had that underlying um, feeling that, well, what if one of these guys has a gun and we don't or, or whatever the scenario may be like, it's kind of like in your area, it was gun first. Whereas back in Chicago days, they could probably, reasonably assume that hey if we go into this thing most of the time somebody isn't carrying a gun which i think plays into what you're saying where yeah they could probably be a lot more violent because they could fist fight with the comfort of knowing that there's a good chance there isn't a gun in yeah. at present but you could never do that because it, the guns were just so prevalent at that point in time and i think that's yeah. a really interesting dynamic and, but there, and there was a, there was a lot of scrappers back then. I and mean, there was a lot of dudes that just like they liked fighting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they liked it. They liked it to to mix it up, man. And you know we did too. But 
like I said, man, it was it was uh, <laughs> it, it was but, risky. Yeah, but you it was you really had to be a lot more careful because, you know, if you see five people from a different gang all sitting there together, there I would assume you would your mind would be immediately at at least one of those guys is carrying a gun. Whereas back then, we hadn't probably quite reached that level where there was always a guy that had a gun on him. So the people that were all about fighting could safely fight and not have to worry about being shot. You know, I mean, they always ran that risk, but the risk of it was not as high as it is was in your era. So you're probably right. They were probably a lot more fistfight violent from that perspective. 100% you know. man but 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 their but their violence too was like really really egregious bro <laughs> like i mean let's just look at like just this case right here right like first of all okay let me preface this statement right i remember being a king and there was no better feeling than being able to you know quote unquote get even with somebody who dipped a crown for you you know to you like right. that was like vindication. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got you. You know what I mean? Like all that, you know, you were you were talking like, okay, I got you, you know? And so that was like the biggest, that was like the biggest vindication you got, right? And it was, it was like a hard thing to chase. But with that being said, <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm I'm just I'm just gonna say, I don't know. I don't know, man. I could never imagine being in that situation. I don't know how he just walked up to the woman and killed her. Mm-hmm. But listen, man, you got to understand like this lifestyle creates different kind of animals, bro. You know, and, and I've done things that I'm not proud of, man. And, and I have a history that obviously I don't run from, you know what I mean? I take accountability from it, but I've done things, you know, especially like talked about it, you know, women in the street, you fight women, hitting women. Obviously I don't, you know, I don't condone that. You know what I'm saying? So I can't imagine now to to, to 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 pull a gun on and kill her. But like I said, man, this 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 lifestyle creates a demon inside of you sometimes that you know what I mean. Like I'm sure, you know, wherever wherever he's at in life, bro, he's probably looking back like, damn, that shit was not worth it. Yeah, yeah that was not, that you know was not saying? right. Yeah, yeah, that shit was not worth it, man. But he got that vindication, man. He got that respect that came along with it, and you know, unfortunately, he got a life sentence too. You know, yeah. but. But look how ruthless that was, though. Like, you just walk up to a car and you just smoke her. You know? Mm-hmm. Look at that one. I mean, yeah. look at the one with my cousin where the dude asked him, yeah, you got a light, folks. My cousin pulled out his gun shot him in the face. Kweek chased the dude down, shot him on the fence. Jordan walked in the barbershop, blue guy, blew his head off. Why is, you know what I mean? Like, so these guys are, these aren't like, these aren't like cupcake cases. You know, these mm-hmm. aren't guys shooting from across the street accidentally hitting somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are, these are, these are bona fide hits, man. Right. Know? And um, and so I think to to ever, you know, uh downplay the the type of guys, those no, nah, I definitely I, I tip my cap to as far as the street shit goes, they got that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um they they were they were there, man. You know what I mean? So obviously, unfortunately, I have to use them as a as a bad example, because that's what this show is about, you know. But the reality is them dudes were in the street. You know, they were so. And I mean, you do also have to try to place yourself in their shoes. Like, like what this girl did. So we're, we're, we're talking about the first girl that was at the Cypress Hill concert. I mean, 
like you said, I mean, there wasn't much more disrespect that this girl could have given to these three people, you know, and that doesn't make it any of this right, but it does kind of set the mindset of where they could be so cold because I mean, from that, from the mindset that they're in at that point in their life, this is about as low as you can go. And it's probably even lower because I'm going to guess you don't have a story of yourself going to a concert and somebody has the band yeah. thro- throwing Dipping down the, the crown. crown at you, yeah. you know, like, like, yeah, it, no, it I told you the get... one time, the only time that we were ever like a hundred percent, like disrespected was that one time on 10th street where them dudes is like, Oh, meet us over here. And, and they were in, and Lauren shot at them. Like that, that was like vicious. Like they were all like dipping the crown. So I was like, Ooh, I wanted Lauren to shoot at him then. Yeah. But you know, the fact that they were inviting us over to their neighborhood, it was even better. But yeah. So, I mean, that's the only time I can, I mean, there's been other times, right. But not like point blank. Like we're right here next to each other. You know what I mean? Like that's a, it's really, really, it was really, really hard to come by. Where I'm going with that is, is that I think their response is kind of a, would be a normal response of a gang member, which is, it's, it's sad. It's sad and it isn't right, but but being in that mindset, there isn't much more awful you could do to another, to an opposing gang member than what she did. So no, hundred percent. What do you think about? Uh, uh, this is another uh, the other side of it, right? What do you think? How do you think they? Uh, you think they did pistol Pete fair when they were trying to talk to him and then use the the brief conversation against them? I, I without. It's so hard to say. See, yeah, yeah. So I wish it, I could give you the whole context of it, right? So right. I, mean, I, it's, it, I guess, I guess, just laid out simply, right? Um, first of all, they had to have called him down there, right? He can't call himself back. There's no way you can come out of federal prison and come back by yourself. You can't do that, right? So mm-hmm. they had to have called him back, right? So then all of a sudden you're sitting in a room and you got a special agent, you got a United States attorney in front of you, right? Obviously they want you, they need you, and so trying to sell you, he's trying to sell you on cooperating you know um uh, but you got to remember at this time pistol pete was like a heavy hitter bro and he had a lot of dirt under you know that was done under him and that he had did and they knew about it um their conversation with him was you know basically if you cooperate we can make this disappear mm-hmm. that's basically that's basically what their their stance was and the reason why is because like i said he wasn't the shooter in that case but, you know, he was linked to other homicides, you know, just because of, you know, being, being an Inca, you know what I'm saying? You know, so uh, naturally, like you're automatically going to be tied into everything. You got your hand in everything. It's under your watch, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, which brings me to another point. I guarantee you, if there was like a long-standing Inca that would have stayed out, I guarantee you he would have been held accountable for all the shit that happened under his watch. It's just, we didn't have that. There was too much fluctuation. But anyways, yeah, so I don't know, man. You know, he kind of was like, he he basically was like, he was answering questions without answering questions, but he was, he was implying, he was implying that he knew about the crimes, which means obviously that he was there, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and so, but he was doing that as a technique. If I, if I'm just sitting, no winner in this, if I'm just sitting there, I'm thinking he was using that as leverage to try to say, okay, 
well, let's just say I can talk about that. What do you got to offer? Mm. You know, and they didn't bite. They were kind of like, you know, because their game is simple, bro. Either you're in and you're in all the way and then we'll look out for you or you're not. They're not going to give you a guarantee because they can't mm-hmm. because it destroys their case as a prosecution. Right. Because they promise you anything. Now, when you go and get on the stand, the first thing the defense counsel is going to ask you is, have you been promised anything? Oh, yeah, I've been promised I was going to go home. Oh, OK. Well, that's why you testified. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and so they can't they can't promise you anything. And so. You know, obviously, Pistol Pete never being in that situation, not knowing, not understanding anything. He just he he's like, oh, well, basically, like, oh, they ain't gonna do shit. Like, they're not even, you know, this is nothing. And and then and then another thing, he probably thought, okay, well, I can kind of dibble and dabble. Maybe I can tell him about this, tell him about this. He don't. He he's probably not knowing the whole extent that they have. They have all the cards already, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, all he's doing is basically giving them a little bit extra what he's got, and then filling in the blanks to you know shit that they already have put together. But he didn't put that he didn't put that together himself. He couldn't link that bridge, bro. You know, he thought, okay, they're playing games and they thought, okay, he's playing games. And their go to was, okay, well, if you want to play games, we can use that that sentence you made um, against you. You know, right. Because the the question was even asked, right? It says the April 30th meeting lasted only 10 or 15 minutes. Agent Kraft brought Martinez to the United States Attorney's office where they joined, they were later joined by Larson, which is United States attorney, and Marino Taxman, which is another United States attorney. Uh, Martinez testified that on the drive over from the jail, Agent Kraft told him several times, don't worry about the numbers, you'll be satisfied with the outcome. You know what I'm saying? And he's, cause, because Martinez is like, I'm not going to cooperate if I get a double-digit sentence. So that's that's him laying his shit on the table. You know, and, and then you got this agent, like, playing kind of playing both sides. He said, oh, if you cooperate, we'll make it disappear. So he's making them feel comfortable. He's doing all the right things. But then they don't know how to meet in the middle because this guy's never been in a situation, doesn't have a lawyer there, and they think he's playing games because obviously he was the Inca and he's involved in all his crimes. And they kind of got what they wanted. If you think about it, he admitted to it. He admitted to being a part of these crimes. And they used that against him in trial. So that's why I was saying, like, what do you think? Do you think that was like a dirty move? Or how, how would you? how would you... What would you classify that as? Well, do I think it's a dirty move? Really, really, without knowing exactly what that one line was that he said that they used against him, I can't really say what, whether it was dirty. My person, personal thing, I mean, it makes complete sense to me that they pulled him in and they tried to get him to flip because obviously whatever he was in prison for was probably not nearly as big as what this indictment was going to be. So it makes complete sense to me they would pull him in. And, you know, he did admit something. And if that thing that that he admitted, if that was clear evidence that he was there, then, yeah, I I mean, I, I would have to agree that they have every right to use that. Okay. So you, so you here's could the, say here's like, the, here's the, okay. So here's the, here's the, uh, here's this part of the, of this, of this interview, right? It says agent craft. You gotta remember this is written at this time, right? Now this, this, this is why I'm saying like some of these obviously documents can be doctored up. Right. And, and I like to give the benefit of the doubt. I like to say, okay, most of this is probably accurate, but I I've been in these situations before. Mm-hmm. Right. I understand the games that are played. And so that's why I say like some of these, I feel like they're not hundred percent accurate, but let me, let me just say what it says. Right. So it says 
Uh, Agent Kraft then read Martinez's Miranda rights in full and asked him if he wanted to speak without an attorney present. Martinez agreed to do so, right? So that statement right there kills everything. You can never go back on that. Just by them saying that. Now, that's what I'm saying. That part right there is 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 not always true, bro. It's not always true. It's just something that is a formality because once they say that, you can't win. How do you mm-hmm. win? Okay, you're a regiment Miranda rights. That means you can stay quiet and you didn't. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, it says he agreed to do so. Moreno Taxman then told Martinez that she had evidence linking him to at least three homicides and gave Martinez an account of a murder implicating uh, the gave him account of the murder of Angelique Morales, which is the, the girl BK killed, right. right? And it says this prompted Martinez to correct parts of her account that he believed were mistaken, thereby implicating himself in the murder. That right there is Not what they, they never took out. And that if all he did was correct things that he believed were inaccurate, that seems a little weak to me because I mean, Mm. who's to say he's right. I mean, it's just an eyewitness testimony that you don't even know if this witness was even there. Right. Because unless he specifically stated he was there and, but he just, because of obviously he's a Latin King this was a Latin King murder. He, right. he would have heard about it. So of course he's going to have some knowledge of it, but, and if they're twisting what he corrected without him ever saying that I was there and he, they just said, well, you said this, this, and this, so you were obviously there. I mean, to me, that's just, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but that doesn't sound like very strong evidence. You know, it's crazy, bro. Is that, like we sit here and we're we're talking about this case. Obviously, it's you know there's elements of it that are shocking to us. Even though we've heard a lot of different crazy stories, right? I've experienced a lot of different crazy things. But what I think about, bro, is damn man, these dudes are just somewhere, bro, in federal prison, bro, with no release date. And they're never coming home. It's like, man, yeah, they did some bad things. I'm sure they did bad things, and uh, you know, people deserve to pay for their crimes right but to what end you know this was i think they've been he's been locked up since i don't know 96 97 pistol probably 97 you know the other guy 97 98 and it's like all right at what point do you try to see is there any type of rehabilitation chance you know what i mean for guys like that and it's it's sad because you try to bring things like this full circle, right? You want to push people away from their life anyway. But the reality is I'm human, bro, and I've been in those boxes, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I know what that's like. And I got a, I got a heart for people that are still there, right? My, I still got people that are there that I love, you know what I mean? I talk to all the time. Man, these guys probably won't give a shit about me, right? But at the end of the day, like, damn, man, you know, I feel you. Like to never have that, to never have that release date, I can't quantify that in my head you know but uh they're living that you know and then and then you go the other you go the other way right and you talk about the destroyed families that were left you know through the path of destruction and it's like it's that ongoing revolving circle mm-hmm. that's never ending circle that shit that don't go nowhere man and all and we can I- do is Bring it on, right? Bring bring the bring the bring the stories on and try to try to push it out to the front streets so maybe people can see. And I mean? and we can reiterate that I mean 
I think the biggest thing we can do to help that is is to make people realize like the, these are people and they made mistakes and our government should be looking at these people and saying, you know, despite their mistakes, are they still a danger to society? And yeah, I say, and if they it, are, it, it, yeah, you, it, yeah, if they are, you keep there. them there, right? Yeah, of course. But, but something that happened, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know what, we'll use Pistol Pete as an example. I don't know what his, his prison record looks like. But if this guy has been living a civilized life as a prisoner for the last 20 years, I mean. But he's never killed anyone. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then there should be some system out there that's looking at this and saying, Hey, maybe it's time to, you know, give this guy another shot, you know, yeah. at least that I know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think he, I don't think he was, I don't think he killed anyone personally. Uh, I could be mistaken, but, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, even, even BK, you know what I mean? Like who knows what kind of life he's like you said, man, who knows who maybe he's been, maybe he's did 20 years without getting in trouble. He's yeah. He's I mean, self-studied, he's built himself up. You know what I mean? Who knows? He you could be know. like he could be like the prison educator for all we know. He could be the guy that's getting everybody helping them get their degrees and stuff. And do we right. really need that guy locked up anymore? Right. Or he can I be mean, a piece of shit with forty crowns on his face. You don't know. But <laughs> yeah, we don't at know. Least, but... At least go look and find out, right? <laughs> yeah, like just, yeah. go, like, just mean, go give it a give it a shot. Like, all right, man, let's give somebody a shot to to have a chance at life again. Yeah, and and I mean I understand for anybody that's listening, that's like, no, man, they, they took a life. They don't deserve to have a life. I can kind of understand your rationale be, be behind that. But I would also like to think that, that, you know, we aren't that cold, that we as people aren't that cold and we want to give these people another tr- chance at a normal life. Let that mistake go and, and you know look yeah, and, and you these know, people like i can't i can't um you can never i guess you can never make somebody see what you see or see how you see it you know and and i understand like obviously uh people people getting hurt people dying that's 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 the worst you know uh unfortunately uh, I, and i guarantee you for a lot of people that listen to the show that shit is all too common man mm-hmm. violence and um, gun violence and shootings, that shit's all too common. People are shocked when things don't happen. They're not shocked when they do, you know? And, um, and so that's not a way to try to justify anything or anybody, but for people that make those decisions, they don't live in those environments. You know, they don't know what that shit's like. And, uh, Sure, people get out of there, man. People get out of there, and I credit them all the time on this show. You know, I got friends that made it out, and, you know, I, I always pay homage. But it's not the easiest thing to do, man. Not everybody has family in other places. You know, some people are just born and bred in this. That's all they know. And so, yeah, I think that's the that's that's the, that's the the slippery slope that we live on, man, is like we're not, we're not advocating for these guys. We're advocating to push people away from this kind of lifestyle. But at the same time, we also believe in these guys a second chance because we know a lot of them are just normal people, man, that just got wrapped up in a lifestyle. And that's just, you know what I mean? And, and, and unfortunately it let them down, you know, past, they probably weren't planning on going on, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's the duality we have, I guess here, Eric, is to try to be 
uh, you know, push you away from it. But obviously if you're in it and you, you find yourself in a bad place, like, yeah, man, like let's give them a shot too. You know what I mean? And, and the one thing I can if add, they change, if they change, the, if they change, you know, the what one, let's, let's throw that in. the one thing I can add that the one thing that I've taken away from these last, whatever it is now, where we have 48 episodes is that, is that people that end up gangsters are not, monsters for the most part i there's there's always an anomaly one of them could be a monster but for for the most part it's because you're you grow up a certain way and i don't even think i can understand where you where you were at when you decided to take that step because i didn't grow up the way you grew up and i think the biggest thing that people can take away from this podcast if you're Distant, if you're as distant from this lifestyle as I am, the number one thing you can learn from this is that, is that you can never under, I can never understand what pushed you to join a gang, what pushed you to have the mentality that you had as, as a gang member. Right. Because I, I just was never there. I, it's, it's an experience I've never had. And that, Everybody out there has to realize, and we would be a lot better off if people realize that when people do, a lot of times when people do bad things, it's because they had an experience that the, a lot of people, myself included, can't understand. And Yeah, and especially, especially when you root it, right, within the childhood. Like, I mean, that's a perfect, that's a perfect way to put it because that's exactly what I was thinking about. Like, yeah, where does that transition start? Well... I don't think it's that you're you become violent at a young age, but if you see violence at a young age, um, and in, you see it often, it, it starts it, to normalize to you. It becomes yeah, like the it's normalized to. crime. Yeah. yeah, you're normalized to it, bro. And and um and so when you get into situations where you have to be violent, that's not so far out of the realm of reality. Like it would be to somebody who doesn't see violence. You know what I mean? Growing up, you know what I mean. Um, and you can equate that to almost anything, right? You grow up in a household where nobody drinks alcohol and then all of a sudden you're exposed to alcohol. You're like, oh my God, like what, is, you know what I mean? Like you're, you, you don't know, but if you grow up around alcoholics and then you take your first drink, you're like, oh, okay. Like yeah. this is where I'm at, you know? you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think the there's a lot to say about <clears throat> obviously the development of these young men and, and, and young women. Right. And, and that's probably where a lot of it stems from. We've, we're obviously not qualified, um, <laughs> to be, uh, any type of psychologist or anything like that. But I mean, we can call a spade a spade, man. People from these environments, you grow up, you see in this shit, you know, you normalize it and then you become it. You right. Know? And, and just the act of, of growing up and knowing a gang member, the fact that you had a gang member, from very early on, you knew Latin Kings. I mean, how much of an effect does that have on normalizing this to you as being, this is a normal thing people do. Whereas I never knew till I met you, I never knew a single Latin King in my entire life. And so it's so far away and so distant for me that I can't really understand it. But when you grow up around it everywhere, it's just a thing. It's just a thing in your life yeah. and it's not abnormal. It's not a scary thing because you see it every day and you see the guy walking down the street. That's a Latin King. And, and you're like, he's just a guy. 
And yeah, I mean, listen, I appreciate you, uh, you know, just spilling the beans that I set the standard for the only Latin King you ever met. You know I see. Well, that's a, that's a high bar. Now you got a high yeah, bar. No. I don't know if you ever when meet I say one that, on a bus stop somewhere. When I say <laughs> that, just so you know, when I was in high school, I had other people tell me that they were Latin Kings in high school, but they weren't Latin mm. Kings. I mean, okay. so, cause we just didn't have gangs. We had people were from, that thought they were from gangs. Appletown? <laughs> yeah. It was out there from Appletown. <laughs> No man, this is this is the town I grew up in, which is like half oh, the size okay. of Appleton. <laughs> so. oh, okay, okay, it gets dangerous out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, man, that's what I got for today, man. So uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think it was a it was a good way to tie all that shit together. We had been talking about just with like queens and and uh, just mentioning like the hypocrisy and and being able to bring up that situation with with Moochie and then. Um, just the story in general and them being, you know, the kind of guys they were. And yeah, I just felt like it was a good way to tie it all together. It, it did bring it all together. And we even took it off on a tangent, often completely different directions at the end. So, so. yeah, we always do that. You know, <laughs> hey, you know, the thing I wanted, I wanted to bring up was, uh, so listen, man, I haven't got one email. Like I got, I'm waiting on these emails for all the people that left reviews. If they want the gift card, if not, that's fine. I appreciate the support anyway. You know, but I just wanted to bring a reminder. I didn't forget about y'all. If you guys do want to send in your email address, uh, send an email to our email address with, um, obviously, with your email address that you left the the review and um, and a mailing address. And I'll still send the the gift card, the ten dollar gift card for Starbucks. I didn't forget about nobody. I just haven't got no addresses. Yeah. And so um, yeah. So if I get any, I'll, I'll definitely send them out. If not, I definitely still appreciate all the support. Listen, this has been great. It's been fun. Um, and, and I feel like we're, we're actually making, uh, making an impact in some ways. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's fun to be able to, to take something that can be so tragic, right. And, and make it useful. And so, uh, yeah, man, that's what we're trying to do. So just thank everybody for tuning in. And just eye opening too. I hope that there's people out here that are like me that are completely blind to this whole world that can also just see really see what that world looks like, you know, and understand it, have a, have a better understanding of it. Cause the better you understand anything, the better, uh, the better you have are reacting to it. You won't be so judgmental about what people are doing, but you'll really understand why they're doing it. So, and I think the that's, crazy part, that's, the crazy part is it actually gets deeper, you know? And, uh, I, I hope that in the future, you know, I got some people in mind that I want to bring on, um, that, that, uh, it went up the food chain even a little higher. And so, uh, yeah, man, I look forward to that and, and being able to tell those stories too. And I do have a question for you, Berto, because I believe at one point in time we had talked about going over some of these reviews that, that, uh, that we received. Are we going to, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, are we, we going to touch on do. a couple? You want to, what should we promise everybody that we'll touch on a couple of them in the next <laughs> episode at the beginning? Yeah, I think I did that before too, but uh, yeah, we can definitely do that, man. We definitely got to show some love to them. Um, so we can, we can do that in, in the next one of these episodes. We'll definitely do it yeah. um, whenever we actually, whenever actually I remember, <laughs> yeah. so, as long as I put it in front of me, I think we can, we can get it done. Awesome. So, all right, then with that, we can wrap this episode up as always. We do have a Patreon. You can find that over at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And as Berto said, 
send in those emails with your mailing address if you did leave a review and the email address that you left the review under. And you can send those to normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.